Are you an overwhelmed entrepreneur with endless tasks, emails, and messages? Do you feel your systems are ineffective or you don't have any at all? I get it. You wish you could come up for air and take that well-deserved vacation you've been dreaming of, all without sacrificing the growth or health of your business. I'm hosting a webinar to introduce concepts that you can use to learn more about how to clockwork your business for operational efficiency. The best part? The webinar is at no cost to you. It will be held May 14th at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern, and a recording will be available for those who can't attend live. If you are ready to make a change in your business so you can take a real vacation, go to bit.ly forward slash May 2024 CFF to enroll. That's bit.ly forward slash May 2024 CFF. I can't wait to see you there. Welcome to Biz Help for You with host Candy Messer. Entrepreneurs like to focus on the big picture, like profitability, success, and a smooth running organization. There always seems to be those little things like taxes, employee compensation, laws, regulations, and more. Now you can get the answers you need in one place. Join us today as we break it all down for you. Now, here is your host, Candy Messer. Hello, and welcome to Biz Help for You with Candy Messer. Thank you for joining us today. I hope you found the information on last week's show, taking your live event to hybrid or virtual, informative. If you are unable to join us and would like to listen to the show, a link is located under the episode directory on my Voice America page, as well as links for iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. If there are topics you'd find beneficial or questions you have, please feel free to reach out to me at media at abandp.com. Now let's learn a little bit about our guest today. Steve Gavitorta, owner of the Steve Gavitorta Group, specializes in empowering individuals and organizations in identifying, developing, and exceeding performance goals. Steve has had the privilege of coaching and training thousands of high performers across an array of industries. From small businesses on the move to Fortune 500 companies, Steve collaborates with organizations to build foundations, set goals, and eclipse their highest potential. Steve is a certified professional behavioral analyst and certified professional values analyst and a certified Myers-Briggs practitioner and accredited to coach and train for emotional intelligence. He is a two-time published author and his new book, In Defense of Adversity, Turning Your Toughest Challenges into Your Greatest Success, won Richter's Publishing Amazon Bestsellers Award for 2018. Steve currently resides in Tampa. So, Steve, welcome to the show. Thank you, Candy. Uh, happy to be back. Yeah, we're glad to have you. For those who uh, may not remember, you have been a guest twice before uh, talking yeah. about, you know, when adversity hits and then, of course, you know, about, you know, solution selling and not just being a vendor. Yeah. So, uh, today yeah. is another exciting topic that I'm looking very forward to. <laughs> But for those who maybe didn't hear those shows, do you want to just give a little bit more of your background and how you kind of got into, you know, teaching us about all these things? Yeah, um, I've owned my business, Steve Gavitorta Group, for 16 years. Uh, as I say, I escaped corporate America uh, prior to owning my business. I spent actually 22 years in corporate America in an array of roles, sales, marketing, management, uh, leadership, training, uh, liaison between sales and marketing really uh, carried the bag and doing a lot of different, uh, different things. And I left that primarily my career was with the consumer package, uh, goods divisions of pharmaceutical companies. So things you can buy in food, drug, or mass merchandisers, uh, food, food stores, uh, mass merchandise stores like Walmart or Target, and then drug stores like CVS and Walgreens. Uh, so I spent 22 years there left corporate America, and as I said, I've owned my business for 16 years, and I fashion myself as a uh, personal and professional development consultant, where I really go and work with my clients to uncover their respective needs, then build relevant training and development solutions to meet those needs, whether it's uh, speaking, one-on-one coaching, workshop, consulting, or some combination of those. 
Um, I really build uh, custom-based programs, and that's kind of the key to my success is really uncovering uh, my customers' needs and building relevant programs. Right. Well, today's topic, of course, is going to be on hiring and retaining a high-impact team. So let's start out with why is that so important, especially now? Yeah, you know, I think I've stated in your previous two uh, shows that we've had that I always say we're in a fast-paced, high-tech, ever-evolving world. Change is hitting us uh, um, faster than ever, adversity striking deeper, uh, the need to make decisions is getting shorter and shorter. This, even before this whole COVID dynamic, is the new way of our world, so to speak. So I think workplace pressures, um, the speed of things, is going to be more um, uh, difficult than ever. And, it's, and with mm-hmm. the advent of, and addition of technology, it's going to get even more uh, stressful. So I think spending the time and finding the right people who can can only succeed in a job, but can succeed in a difficult, fast changing, fast paced environment is going to be key. If you don't hire the right people, um, it could very much hurt your business. You could lose market share. You could have high turnover. Uh, it could be very costly to your business. So those companies who can invest in a really strong hiring and retention program can indeed create a point of differentiation for their their people, their products, their services, and their business as well, too. Right. And I think what, you know, is happening, too, with, of course, everyone at first was supposed to work at home if possible. You know, so people who used to be in the same room together now are working remotely. And now you have to figure out how to work well together when you're not even able to be together. You know, and some people now have been able to start going back. And then it's just you know, juggling maybe, you know, those who do still want to go back to those who are still maybe afraid and still want to work at home. So it's definitely a different dynamic than we've ever really had before. Absolutely. And I think also some of the things we interview for, you know, leadership, obviously communication skills, those are all attributes you want in a good hire, especially depending upon the job. But I think with the workplace stresses, people, uh, companies are going to have to interview more towards employees who are potential employees or potential hires and and knowing their ability to face uh, a fast-changing, fast-paced environment, an adverse, heavy environment, and also how well can they be self-starters if a lot mm-hmm. of our work uh, work is going to be off-site, right? Are they self-starters? Right. Are they willing to to put in the time with, with a, without a boss not looking at them? Are they, do they have the motivation to do that, the discipline to do that? So I think a lot of the competencies and behaviors companies um, are looking for, I think they're, they're, the companies in the past are going to be similar, but there's going to be added competencies companies are going to have to look for as well, too. Right. And add into that those who have, you know, children or someone at home, too, that they're supposed to help school you know, right now, no still doubt. we are. No doubt. You know, people are still at home having to school their kids and trying to juggle That's doing right. their work, and it's it's a lot to really have to deal with. But um, it is. let's it's start. It's changed. It's changed much. Yeah, I was going to say, well, I would love to really start talking about companies and kind of the hiring and retention process. Can you maybe touch on that and what would be considered a strong hiring and retention process versus one maybe that's a bit weak? Yeah, you know, a lot of the companies I work with and, and that I've come across really don't have a strong program, unfortunately. Um, what I find, what normally happens is uh, companies don't actually have competencies or behaviors for each job type. So what does it mean? What attributes are relevant to being a good salesperson or a good manager or a good accountant? You know, what are the attributes associated with that and how do we interview for that? So one, the competencies aren't fleshed out deeply enough. Two, you know, there's no standards or, or guidelines, so talent is often mismatched or weak. Um, people unfamiliar with the job are often doing the interviewing. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. you know, they really don't understand the pain that job entails. And oftentimes, too, especially in our crazy world, decision-making is rushed. You know, we need to fill, mm-hmm. we need to fill that job. We need to get someone in there fast. Well, yeah, you may need to fill that job, but that person who you put in that role may end up costing you more in the long run 
than taking your time and figuring out the right person for the job. So I kind of gave the negatives where I think a lot of companies are falling short. The flip side of that would be, you know, to have that strong process of identifying specific competencies or behaviors relevant for success in every job in the organization. So flesh that out in, in, in total. Then have the people who have their hands in the pie, so to speak, do the interviewing and ensure there's proper communication from interviewer to interviewer, which often doesn't happen as well. So I think having that strong process, it runs the gamut. Um, most companies, in my opinion, don't do a great job of it. Uh, some do. And those who do have that strong process. I talk about really four steps, you know, defining first and foremost, even before an interview is uh, conducted, you know, define the behaviors or competencies required for success in the job, as I had mentioned earlier. Um, mm-hmm. Next is mind, prepare questions to really identify, do these uh, people we're interviewing have the proper attributes for success in that given job? Then next is probe, li- actually ask those questions to really define, does this person exhibit the behaviors or competencies for success in the job? Then align, gain alignment on the responses the person has given with every interviewer and, and, and cl- define, is this person the right person for the job? So my four-step process I talk about, again, is define mine, which is even pre-interview, then probe and align, which is uh, during the interview process and, and, and thereafter as well, too. Mm-hmm. Which that sounds like a great process if it's like a bigger company, corporation or something like that, too. But what would you say to the person who maybe they started their own business, now you, you, they know they need some help and they're going to be hiring, but they don't have, you know, all of those other people to kind of help them? Like, how would you recommend they actually define these competencies or, you know, figure this whole process out? Yeah, I think what you have to do is is really identify what I call key success criteria for that respective job or role. You know, what behaviors or competencies are required for success? Is it leadership skills? Is it communication? Is it being a self-starter? Um, is it um, being a team player? Whatever, whatever that uh, business owner gleans as attributes associate for success, they have to flesh those out first. So what are those behaviors or competencies required for success in the job? Then identify why is that uh, competency important for success in that specific role? And then thirdly, how do you identify that person exhibits those competencies while you're interviewing them. So the Mm -hmm. three parts to key success criteria is is first, uh, behaviors or competencies required. Why is that competency or behavior important to success? Then how do I or we identify that those competencies or behaviors do indeed exist with this respective employee? So I don't care whether it's a big company or a small company or an individual, you still have to define what what's it take to succeed in its given job. I mean, if you're in a role where you're crunching numbers all day, the competencies for success in that role may be very different than a, the competencies or behaviors for someone who has to do customer service or drive sales, things of that nature. So any business owner really needs to define those first. Um, if you're a business owner and you've not had, uh, you, you know, you don't have a lot to grasp onto, you may want to look at at yourself and say, why am I successful? What attributes make me successful? Or what attributes make someone else in my sphere of influence successful in a given job? So mm-hmm. the number one thing you have to do is know what you're looking for. Because if you don't put that stake in the ground to know what you're looking for, you're hiring to be off target, so to speak. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah. And I think if someone is feeling like, you know, this is going to be the first, you know, person I'm going to be hiring and I'm not sure what to do, they can talk to a professional, whether it's someone in the HR industry or there's someone who's absolutely maybe a mentor that can help them put this together and really identify the job description and the skills needed and, you know, where to find the candidates and all of that. Right. If you don't have the job description, if you don't have the competencies, you don't have a foundation to build on. And um, those, the, the job description and those competencies is going to be everything that you need to really drive the dialogue with those people you're, you're interviewing because they have to exhibit, 
they can't, let's say you're interviewing for leadership, you know, you're looking for someone to potentially, you know, take a leadership role in the organization. Um, you need to not only have that identified, but you have to know why it's important and how to identify it in the interview. And that person has to actually exhibit that behavior. That's another issue that oftentimes companies do have the competencies it clearly laid out that the people they're interviewing really are not. They may say they're a leader. They may be the captain of the football team or the head of the cheerleader mm-hmm. or the head of the sorority uh, as, the, as the president. But just because they have the title of president does not they, mean that they actually exhibit leadership. There could be other reasons that they were uh, you know, the, 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 the captain or the, or the president of the, of, the, of the sorority. It's up to you in a good interviewing process to draw out did that person exhibit leadership skills to get that role? And when they had that role, did they exhibit it thereafter too? Right. Well, we've had a great start to this discussion, but we're actually coming upon a break. So we're going to go ahead and stop for the moment to have a brief commercial break. And when we come back, we're going to continue chatting about hiring and retaining a high impact team. You're listening to Biz Help for You with Candy Messer on Voice America Internet Radio. We'll be right back after this brief commercial break. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Are you up late at night after a long day's work trying to do your bookkeeping? Are you frustrated with your lack of QuickBooks knowledge or feel you don't understand it at all? Do payroll tax calculations and reporting stress you out? Whether you're a sole proprietor or an officer of a corporation, Affordable Bookkeeping and Payroll Services is here to help. We work with overwhelmed entrepreneurs to remove the burden of bookkeeping and payroll tasks, giving them peace of mind and the freedom to do the parts of the business they love. Our bookkeeping clients include service-based businesses, such as medical offices, fast food restaurants, landscapers, and gyms. We also assist franchise owners to create the necessary reports to submit each month. We are a full-service payroll company, assisting clients of 1 to 120 employees. We offer full and self-service options. If you're ready to offload tasks that burden you, reach out to us today at 310-534-5577 or email contact at abandp.com. Call us today. Have peace of mind tonight. We're with you wherever Alexa and Google are. At home, in the car, on your smart TV, and your connected devices. Hey Alexa! Hey Google! Play my favorite Voice America podcast on TuneIn. It's just that easy. But make sure you actually mention the name of the podcast show to make it work. You are listening to Biz Help For You. If you have a question or comment about the show, send us an email to media at abnp.com. That's media at abandp.com. Now, back to Biz Help For You. Welcome back to Biz Help For You with Candy Messer. In the last segment, Steve Gavatorta told us about his background and how he got into training businesses on a vast array of topics. Now let's continue our discussion on hiring and retaining a high-impact team. So, Steve, we were talking in the last segment, you know, about putting together the job description and competencies and things like that to have a strong hire. Um, But what is the cost of a mishire? Yeah, let me just say huge. (laughs) I'll I'll, I'll validate those numbers here in a bit that it's funny when I do workshops, all my clients know that it's big, but -hmm. they don't know how big. I guess potentially it could be. Uh, most companies know, I guess, the percentage of turnover, like, yeah, we have 10% turnover, 30% turnover, but they don't know the true cost associated with that. If you mm-hmm. want to learn more about competency or behavioral-based interviewing and the cost of mishires, I recommend you and your listeners pick up a book called Top Grading by a gentleman named Bradford Smart. Again, it's called Top Grading. The author is Bradford Smart. 
And um, he did a ton of research on the cost associated with a mishire. Now, he states, if you take all things that encompasses an interviewing, hiring and an interviewing, hiring process from, you know, sending out, uh, reviewing resumes, posting the job, uh, walking through the interview process, um, hiring someone, that, that person failing in a job or, or whatever that might be, the full cost associated with a mishire, he states it w- could be up to as high as 15 times base salary. So wow. let's just, let's say, yeah, let, let's say that's aggressive. Let's say, you know, that's too high. Let's knock it in a half, seven and a half percent. Let's lock, knock it even more. That's uh, three and a half percent, four percent. That's still an astronomical number. If you mm-hmm. do the math, let's say you have Think if you have someone who has a base salary of fifty thousand dollars, on the high side, if that you turn that person, if that that number is true, fifteen times base salary, that fifty thousand dollars salary salaried person ends up costing you seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Now again, divide that in half, divide that in a third. It's still a big number, and right. if you have a turnover rate of ten percent, twenty percent, thirty percent. Imagine what that does to your bottom line. It's devastating. Mm-hmm. And most companies don't, they, they kind of know it, but they don't know it, you know, in depth. Um, so the cost, the, Bradford Smart also states the cost of a bad promotion on happy employee. What's that? You know, the annual cost of employee turnover in the U.S. pops uh, $5 trillion. So mm-hmm. if you have a poor hiring and retention program, you could get the wrong people on board. That's going to cost you money. If you don't have a method or a process or a good retention program to keep them productive and satisfied, there's another cost associated with that. So you can have the that's another end of this whole hiring retention piece. You can hire the best people in the world, but if you do not train and develop them, they could they may not be as productive as they need to be, and they may leave, and you will lose someone again. So uh, the cost associated with missed hires. Um, and not having the right ret- uh, retention program once you've got them on board. Again, it's devastating numbers. And that's why right. I stated we're in this high-tech, this fast-paced, high-tech, ever-evolving world. This hiring, uh, having a strong hiring retention process is more important than ever because it can be more costlier than ever if you're doing it wrong. But on the flip side, it can be a real competitive advantage, a point of differentiation for your company if you get that right team on deck and you can keep them happy and satisfied. Again, in a crazy, uncertain world, that's a chance to steal market share. That's a chance to gain a competitive advantage. And that's a chance to grow, you know, have a long, uh, long-term, sustainable, powerful business. Um, right. You know, some other things you ask about some results, you know, what, what, what normally happens. I have some other facts that, you know, because most companies don't have a strong process, uh, some, some uh, facts here, only 20, I, I, I have to look where I source these. It's not on what I'm reading now, but only 21% of 200 presidents and CEOs are satisfied with external hires. 25 global companies found that 80% of their external hires were a disappointment, and only 5% of 16, uh, 600 HR executives are even measuring the success, hiring success rate. So again, if these numbers are right, 15%, um, and companies aren't aware that you have a turnover of 20%, that's devastating. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, when you talked about the cost, obviously there's some costs that you can easily see, like it's going to take me this many hours to spend interviewing and checking resumes and things like that. So that's one cost, right? And then there's lost productivity or things like that. But what would you tell someone, you know, these are the steps of how you can measure truly what it costs you, you know, to have that person that you hire that's not the right fit. Like, can you give them like, look at this, 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 you know, specifically? Yeah, I don't have all the metrics laid out. In that book, Bradford Smart wrote, uh, Top Rating, he lays that out. All the things you mentioned and more, more. He, he isolates all those things he captured to get to that 15%. So I can't remember off the top of my head, to be honest mm-hmm. with you, but it is oh, in that okay. book uh, uh, by Bradford Smart. And right, but the point, point is it's more than of, just your time in the interviewing process and things. There's a lot that can go into that. That's correct. That, that the time and the interviewing process, 
um, the, the, the passing over of notes through the interviewing process, um, the onboarding, um, the, the, the turmoil it can potentially cost in a company or a department, uh, the, the mm-hmm. turmoil can cost with unhappy customers. That is all the right. cost associated with a missed hire, right? So mm-hmm. it really runs the gamut. There are a lot of metrics that really need to be measured. And that's probably, to be honest with you, Candy, why a lot of companies don't do it because they, mm-hmm. you know, they right. won't spend the time to define those metrics. So then what would you say is really the biggest mistake that companies make in the hiring process then? Again, it is not clearly identifying the competencies or behaviors relevant for a given job, number one. Number two, being able to successfully um, clarify that these uh, candidates exhibit that respective behavior. I cannot tell you how many people I've, I've viewed in interviews uh, I've observed who take it at face value that someone who may have a leadership role, they, they miscalculate that that person is automatically a leader. It doesn't mm-hmm. mean that person's a leader. I'll ask this all the time when I'm doing workshops. Uh, you know, I, I, let's go this route. I not only help companies with their hiring retention process, I also help college students or people out of work interview for jobs as well, too. So mm-hmm. what I do with those people interviewing is teach them about competency-based interviewing, meaning when you're building your resume, when you're doing the interview process, you can't just say you exhibit. You, you have to draw out attributes relevant to, to, to that respective job if you can get your hands right. on them or if you can at least think of what those are. Secondly, you have to have proof and stories to validate you do indeed exhibit that respective competency. So, mm-hmm. again, just like I said, just because someone is the uh, captain of the basketball team, people, a lot of interviewers will drool over that. Oh, this person's a leader. He's the captain. Well, why was he chosen captain? Was it his turn? Could uh, be popular. popular? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just a popularity it, thing instead of competency. Exactly, and I've called that out in, in, in people who are college students who are seeking to interview. You know, I'll pick on people in the room, and, and it'll be, you know, is there any captains here? And someone will raise their hand. Yeah, I'm the captain. That's why I'm using an example. I'm the captain of the basketball team. I said, oh, yeah, how'd you get that? Were you popular? Mm-hmm. And, he, you know, the person looks at me. They're dumbfounded where I'm going here. Was it your turn? You know, so I'm making a point, uh, you know, to say mm-hmm. that. You can't just say you're the captain of the basketball team. You have to prove why you earned that and why mm-hmm. they view you as a leader. So any competency you're fleshing out, you need to be able to prove that. That, that person needs to prove that in that interview process. I always talk about something, the two, the two hits rule and the three strikes rule. So if I'm interviewing and I'm, at, I'm looking for leadership skills and I'm asking my open-ended questions and I'm trying to get that person to talk, if they, if the topic of leadership comes up, and if they can give me two real-world examples of where they've exhibited leadership, that's the two hits rule. That mm-hmm. means that that person pretty much does exhibit that that attribute I'm looking for in this instance, leadership. I'm going to check that off and state Joe Blow or Susie Q exhibit this respective competency. I'm going to move on and look for another competency relevant to the job. If I've tried three times, that's where the three strikes rule comes in. If I've tried three times to get this person to prove, give real-world examples of that they do exhibit leadership skills and they cannot, I'm going to cross that out. I'm going to say this person does not exhibit that competency in this instance, leadership that we're looking for. Does that make sense? Oh, for sure. I mean, I know I've, I, this is one of the things I don't like as much about running a company too, is the whole interviewing process and stuff too, because it's never easy. And especially if you have some that you feel are really good and it's hard to figure out sometimes like which one is the best one. Um, But there's someone I interviewed, I think it was maybe the last time I was hiring or, you know, in the recent past that I asked a question. It was like, oh, I don't know. Okay, you don't know the answer to that question. Okay, you know, and finally, I I think after two questions of something like that, where he just wasn't even giving an answer, I said, you know what, I'm not going to waste your time, you know, because I know this is not a good fit for you right now. And, you know, if you are able to go back and get these skills, then it will help, you know, but uh, I'd never had someone who just didn't even answer the question. It was quite interesting. I asked someone once, I'll never forget, I asked, you know, tell me your biggest weakness. 
And the person mm-hmm. looked at me and said, oh, so you're, you want me to give you a weakness that's actually a strength, right? <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I marked off perception. Um, I don't know how well he was perceptive uh, asking that question. He should have just answered it uh, intelligently mm-hmm. instead of asking me that. But, yeah, you have goofy things like that. You know, I think a lot of companies, to fall into that open-ended question piece, you know, what's your bit or closed-end question, I guess that's an open-ended question, but what are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? You know, those things that I think are canned canned um, questions and canned answers. In my experiences, I started asking those questions when I, wa- when I was done. I thought this person didn't give me what I wanted. I was just, I shouldn't have done this, but I was being nice <laughs> and keeping mm-hmm. the interview alive a little longer, which I shouldn't have. What I like doing, what I teach people to do is ask broad-based, uh, open-ended questions to get that person talking. Tell me about mm-hmm. your time in college. Tell me about it. And let them start talking. When they start talking, they're, you're automatically going to start to glean on, oh, this person's a good communicator. Oh, this person exhibited leadership. Oh, this person is a good team player. And when you can glom on, get them talking, then you can start jumping on, I hear teamwork, or I hear good communication, or I hear leadership. And then you go into the probing questions. Let's Mm -hmm. go back into what you said about leadership. Tell me about that. Tell me why you were captain of the football team or why were you uh, uh, president of the sorority? Then get get them talking on that. So you really want to get them talking, get those broad-based questions out. That's going to tell you how well they communicate, how well they think on their feet, and how well they can really start talking about why why they're qualified for the job. I think too many interviewers talk too much. They talk more than they Mm -hmm. listen, so to speak. Right. Well, and I think it's great that where you're talking about having these questions, just ask a basic question and let them answer. But I think at the same time, we have to caution them to make sure you're asking the same general questions to everyone. So it's not considered discriminatory. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I just wanted to make sure we touch on that because especially in something like in California where I am too, it's, you know, very um, contiguous, (laughs) you know, there's a lot of stuff that can happen where, you know, people will not get a position because they're really not qualified, but then they'll say, you know, they thought it was discrimination or or things like that. So just making sure that you still have the same basic questions so it's fair, you know, and what you're asking. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So... I know you were talking about these competencies and the questions, but what if someone is so new at this, they don't really know the questions to ask? Is there a place they can go to get some of these competency questions that would help them in the interview process instead of, like you're saying, find these canned questions? Yeah, again, I I, I stick to the piece first. You've got that. So are you saying if we know the competencies, we just don't know the questions? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they just aren't yeah. sure how to ask the right question. What what the, yeah. can they do to put those together? Yeah, and again, what I teach my clients to do is, again, walk through what I call the key success criteria for a job. Again, what behaviors or competencies are required? Why is it important? And how do you identify that in the interview? So that's going to ultimately drive your questions. So if I know the competencies, I know why it's important, then I know how to interview, identify them in the interview, then I, have, I can build my list of questions off of that. Um, mm-hmm. but I, again, that's why I push more towards broad-based ended questions. You can definitely go online and find a list of, of basic generic questions. You know, what are your strengths? Tell me about your time in college. What are your weaknesses? Um, you know, there's a ton of questions online. You can do that. Go online, but I would really push towards finding those questions that are, that are going to drive a dialogue, that are going to get that other person talking. Because when you get them talking, you're going to learn a lot about them. If they right. are not willing to talk, if they are shutting down, that in and of itself is going to tell you a lot about that person, right? It's that indirect piece that says, yeah, this person's not going to be able to engage with customers or is not going to be a good team player or doesn't have the self-confidence. So their response back to you in turn is going to be telling as well, too. Sounds great. Well, it's actually time to take another quick break. So be sure to hang around to hear more from Steve Gavitorta of the Steve Gavitorta Group on hiring a high-impact team. We'll be right back after a brief commercial break. 
Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Are you up late at night after a long day's work trying to do your bookkeeping? Are you frustrated with your lack of QuickBooks knowledge or feel you don't understand it at all? Do payroll tax calculations and reporting stress you out? Whether you're a sole proprietor or an officer of a corporation, Affordable Bookkeeping and Payroll Services is here to help. We work with overwhelmed entrepreneurs to remove the burden of bookkeeping and payroll tasks, giving them peace of mind and the freedom to do the parts of the business they love. Our bookkeeping clients include service-based businesses, such as medical offices, fast food restaurants, landscapers, and gyms. We also assist franchise owners to create the necessary reports to submit each month. We are a full-service payroll company, assisting clients of 1 to 120 employees. We offer full and self-service options. If you're ready to offload tasks that burden you, reach out to us today at 310-534-5577 or email contact at abandp.com. Call us today. Have peace of mind tonight. We're with you wherever Alexa and Google are. At home, in the car, on your smart TV, and your connected devices. Hey, Alexa. Hey, Google. Play my favorite Voice America podcast on TuneIn. It's just that easy. But make sure you actually mention the name of the podcast show to make it work. You are listening to Biz Help For You. If you have a question or comment about the show, send us an email to media at abnp.com. That's media at abandp.com. Now, back to Biz Help For You. Welcome back to Biz Help For You with Candy Messer. Today I'm chatting with Steve Gavitorta of the Steve Gavitorta Group. Let's find out a bit more information from him on retaining a high-impact team. So, Steve... Do you use assessments as part of the hiring process? I do. I do. I actually, uh, the, I'm certified in Myers-Briggs. I'm certified in DISC. I'm certified in something called personal interest attitudes and values. And I'm also certified in bar on EQ, emotional intelligence. So all those uh, assessments, I think, are very, very good in that interviewing process. Anyone you uh, so choose to use. Um, the one I use most with my clients is DISC. Um, for people who may not be familiar with DISC, DISC is a uh, behavioral-based assessment, very well, very uh, highly used within corporate America, both for the hiring process, but also for the retention process as well, uh, helping people learn their behavior style and how they can engage with others. But DISC is an acronym for four-based behavior styles. D stands for dominance. I stands for influence. F stands for steadiness, C stands for compliance. Um, oftentimes, we'll use interviews very much like you said. It's typically after those final candidates are, are all decided upon when we're trying to isolate who is the person we're going to hire. Then we typically provide that assessment to those final hires, like you said earlier, Candy, to make sure all those final hires do indeed take that assessment. One versus one didn't take it versus the other. Um, mm-hmm. What I do is work with my clients is to do a work environment uh, profile disc style. So there's a series of questions where we can prepare, provide, uh, get a pro- disc profile for, for a given job. So is someone who's a high D better at this role or a high C better at this role? And then when the person takes the assessment, we try to match up whose scores align, align best with that work environment tool that we did prior. Does that make sense? Uh-huh. Sure, of course. Characteristics and what strengths that we would be good at. So some people are better exactly. in certain positions than others. Exactly. And, and, and by all means, you know, and I tell people that is not the end-all, be-all. I mean, if you have mm-hmm. a good interviewing process, you know, it, you shouldn't have to rely on a, 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 an assessment for that final decision, but it can help clarify things. It can help provide some clarity on those final people. And I'll tell people, um, let's say you have three people uh, that you've come down on for a given job. You you only have one one opening. Um, That that work and this work environment score 
again, does not have to be the end-all, be-all. Let's say we have Susie, who we really like a lot. I mean, we were leaning on her, but her disc score did not a match better than the other two. It does not mean you knock Susie out, you know. Right. It just means that now we know where she stands, and now we want to hire her. We can use this disc assessment for developmental needs during the retention piece. Mm-hmm. So hypothetically saying, let's say the job entails, you know, a lot of customer interaction, customer engagement, but she scores a little bit lower on that side of things. The other two people had a higher score around, you know, that the influencer steadiness styles, those who are more uh, geared towards engaging people in a sales role. What the, her discourse can tell you is what she may need to work on or what we may need to develop her on to help her become successful. So it's a good final snapshot to help us make a good final decision and assessment is. And it's also a great retention tool once we get that person on board. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yes, that's yeah. so important. Yeah. Well, another topic I would love to discuss, because I know it can be difficult sometimes to know, but how can you validate that candidates are really telling the truth and that they have the qualifications and the skills for the position? Yeah, that goes back to that questioning and listening piece. And, and what I talked about earlier, the two strikes rule and the, and the, the, the two uh, the hit, two hit rule and th- uh, two strikes mm-hmm. rule. When you're interviewing someone, if you have those competencies laid out, the person, if, they, if, they're, if they're speaking of their hard work, yes, I'm a hard worker, I did this, this, and that, they have to really give examples that they are a hard worker. Saying it does not mean right. it's so. Um, I'm mm-hmm. going to tell you a, a personal story. Uh, my senior year, end of my junior year in, in, in college, um, I'll shorten the story somewhat. I'm from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, originally. And my parents' house fell in a coal mine. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Our house was, yeah, it was built over a coal mining room. We didn't know it. And overnight, our house collapsed in a coal mine. And we, we had, um, we had uh, two more. We didn't have, you had to have special insurance. You had, uh, homeowners didn't cover it. You had to, have, had to have something called mine subsidence insurance. We didn't have it. In addition, my parents had two more uh, payments to make on the house before it was paid off. Mm-hmm. So it was very devastating. So when I came back from college, my parents owned a produce market. So I had to work in the market. So they had to level the house. Uh, we had to rebuild on the property. And, and my dad was taking care of that. I'm starting to work down the store. I was 20 years old, 19 years old. Not a weekend candy. My father starts complaining about his chest. Two days later, he's laid up in a hospital with a collapsed lung. So mm-hmm. here I am, a 19, 20-year-old kid, dealing with our loss of our family house. We're living in a one-bedroom apartment. We're trying to rebuild the house. Um, our, our only, so- our main source of income, our fruit market, our produce market, is now in jeopardy because my dad is out of commission. So ultimately, I had to run the store that entire summer, mm-hmm. and it was one of the most. It was the uh, probably the thing that influenced my life the most. As my dad was recovering from his injury or from his lung collapsing, he ran the family store or, or, or took care of the house. I ran the family business, and by the end of the year, I had, I had run that store by, essentially by myself for three months until I had to go back to my senior year in college. Long story short, when I was interviewing for jobs at the end of my senior year, out of all my fraternity brothers, I had the most job offers. The reason mm-hmm. why, in interviews, people or companies weren't worried, weren't interested in my grades or the fact, I mean, they were a little bit, but that wasn't the main topic. They weren't interested in my grades, weren't as interested in playing football. They wanted to know about this story of how I ran the produce market when our house collapsed and my dad was out of commission because I was able in that story to exhibit hard work, being assertive, being personable, being perceptive, being intelligent, having good communication skills, showing leadership, um, being action-oriented. I was able to exhibit an array of attributes or behaviors relevant for success in any job, so to speak. So I, so if, if a company was looking for leadership or communication skills, I had in my hip pocket 
story after story where I actually exhibited that. So that is what someone else needs to do when they interview. They need to be prepared to give real-world examples of why you're good for that job. What real-life experiences do you have, whether it's working prior to college, during college, or afterwards if you're an adult and you've been in the workplace for a while? So companies have to actually draw out in that discussion, does this person exhibit the behavior we're looking for? Or do they give us real-world examples? Because if they cannot give us real-world examples, they most likely don't exhibit that behavior competency. And that's right. why I talk about the two, two hits rule. If you can give me two examples that you exhibit that behavior or competency, I'm going to check that off. You exhibit that. And then if, you, if I tried three times and you cannot, I'm going to check that off as you cannot exhibit that. This is right. important for several reasons. One, it validates the person does have those attributes or competencies. Secondly, it can streamline the interviewing process for the next person who has to interview that respective candidate. So let's say I have a list of eight competencies I'm looking for. In that first interview, if I can validate this person exhibits four of those, the next I'm going to communicate to the that to the next interview and say, you know what, Susie, I believe exhibits great communication skills, great leadership skills. She has the smarts to do the job. Things I've not uncovered yet are this competency, this competency, and this competency. Can you check into that for me? So you're essentially you're smoothing over that interview process, so you're not wasting the time of that next interviewer and the interviewee again. One of my pet peeves whenever I uh, did interviews was. You're asking me the same question, but this is my third time in. You're asking this again. It tells me that company, they are not talking amongst each other through the interview process. Right. So well, I was just concerned, minimum- you know, because I, I'd heard a statistic that maybe it was like 30% of resumes have false information or something. But it yeah. sounds like you're just saying as long as you're talking with them and getting them to explain their things, you're going to kind of weed out which ones are accurate or not just because of those kind of stories and questions you're asking them. Absolutely, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I'm going to catch if they're lying. If they cannot give examples, if they can't give hardcore stories, mm-hmm. then, then, it, then they don't exhibit that. That's, that's potentially that lie, so to speak. So right. that's why it's so important to get real-world examples and stories. And that's what I tell people who are interviewing. Build your resume around competencies, you think are relevant to the job or you know are because the company informed you of what they are and have your mm-hmm. stories ready. Have those stories right. prepared. I always loved interviewing because I even out of college, I had these, these wonderful stories about uh, my, my running my family business in a, a very difficult time. Um, I had other stories I could use as well, too. I always loved interviewing because I had the the meat to back it up, so to speak. So I guess um, for the, the old Wendy's adage, if, if that interviewee doesn't have the beef, then they really don't exhibit that important competency that you're looking for. So, right. um, so and I, I know we're getting close to, to the end of the show. I'm going to throw in this one last question and we'll see how much time we have left to answer it. But we focus a lot on hiring. Um, but what would you recommend to someone who really wants to retain, you know, an excellent staff? Um, what can they do? Listen, I'm in my my consulting, training, coaching, consulting world because I firmly believe um, in having strong coaching, training, consulting programs within an organization. Have uh, uh, training development to get your people up and running fast as possible and keep them successful throughout their career. For, so for every job type, you should have some training development uh, skills and, and programs developed to help these people succeed. I can't tell you how many people have gone to a company and they are totally depressed and demoralized almost immediately because they're thrown to the wolves, so to speak. Mm-hmm. You know, they're given a customer. They don't have any skills to deal with a the customer. They're, they're getting beat up. And it's it, because the company does not have a retention plan, does not have a good, solid training and development plan. Now, let me throw this at you. Retaining top performers, you've got to invest in people. I'm going to state some things here. An article in Public Personnel Management revealed the following in a study. Training increases productivity by over 22%. 
train with coaching increased productivity by 88%. And lastly, a study in Manchester Review revealed that companies that invested in coaching received an ROI of more than five times. So I was fortunate enough to start my career in companies that had a solid training development program for every job type throughout someone's career. It's imperative that you, you, you develop, train, and coach your people and help them succeed. You've invested the time to find the right people. Now you need to invest the time to keep them as well, too. Because, again, there's a cost associated with an unhappy, non-productive, non-positive, uh, non, um, uh, I guess, uh, employee. Right. Well, we are at the end of the show, so I know you probably have an offer that you want to share. So if you could tell us what that is and how our listeners can connect with you, that'd be great. Sure. I'd love to offer, especially this whole COVID craziness that we're going through. And as I said, these uncertain times, uh, I'm going to offer everyone, every listener, if they're interested, they can do this to you, Candy, or however you recommend us doing it. But a free or gratis e-version of my recent book, In Defensive Adversity, turning your toughest challenges into your greatest success. Uh, Within that book, there is a lot of detail around this DISC assessment I mentioned earlier. In fact, I believe it's at the end of Chapter 4. People can take a short version gratis DISC assessment as well, too, so it can help them understand their style as well. So I'll offer that up to any listener that's interested um, to have an e-version copy of that book. And do you have a website or phone number for them to reach you? I do. Uh, my website is www.gavatorta.com. That's G-A-V-A-T-O-R-T-A.com. My email address is very simple, steve at gavatorta.com. And my phone number is 813-777-9414. I'd urge people right. to feel free to Google my name out there. I have plenty of good information out there. A lot of good content on YouTube as well, too. So, uh Check my YouTube site out. There's a lot of good learning development tools that you can uh, view up there as well. Perfect. Well, thank you, Steve, for being a guest on my show today. And I want to thank the listeners for tuning in as well. I hope you found this topic interesting and that it answered some questions about hiring and retaining a high-impact team. If you have any additional questions or comments, be sure to reach out to Steve at the email or phone number he shared, or you can send us a message at media at abandp.com. And would you please share our show information with those you know? I'd really appreciate your support. Be sure to tune in again next week to hear a discussion on another important topic. And please remember you can connect with us on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn and my website, abandp.com. Links can be found on my Voice America page. Remember to tune in each Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And if you can't join us for the live show, you can find the episode saved on the business channel on voiceamerica.com or find the podcast posted on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Until next time, have a great week. Thank you for listening to BizHelp for You. Please join your host, Candy Messer, again next Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time and 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a terrific week.